that is one of the best things that we brought out of this is that children are resilient and we've got to remember that, that they are amazing and their brains are ready to receive so much learning and so much information that sometimes we forget that they are amazing sponges ready for information. Hello and welcome to School Me, the National Education Association's podcast dedicated to helping educators thrive in the early stages of their career. I'm your host, Natika Samuels. Today I'm joined by April Birch, who is an educator and co-founder of Cooking Autism, a nonprofit that helps educators offer life skills programs to children with special needs to discuss the unique experience of educating students with special needs during a pandemic. Welcome to School Me, April. Thank you so much for having me today. All right, so let's start off with your story. So how did you decide to become an educator? Oh, that's a good story. I have two amazing children at home, both boys, and both are on the autism spectrum. And as my youngest one was beginning in school and pre-K, special education, I became more and more involved in his daily activities. And I was watching these amazing educators that were making such a huge impact on his life. And I decided that is exactly what I wanted to do. I think I always kind of knew I wanted to be an educator. I just didn't really take it and really go with it until I had children. And then that's the spark that I needed in order to finish my education to be an educator. And what did you start your career as an educator doing? So I started off in special education in a pre-K program. I started as a paraprofessional part-time, a few hours a week, helping out inside of the classroom, which was an amazing, amazing job. That helped me jump into the classrooms. I was in a first grade classroom for a year, and then I moved over to basically behavioral support. What I would do is I have my own sort of little classroom. It's a open classroom. And as children needed to come in and just kind of have a break from their routine in their classroom, they would come into what we would call the reset area. And that's just an area where there's some calming tools and things that children need in order to be able to refocus their brain back on their work for the day. So I would be in this room with them and I would help them calm down and feel better about themselves and whatever that meant for them, giving them the their pep talk or giving them the extra support that they needed in order to be able to get themselves ready to get back to class so that they could continue their education. And now through the pandemic, unfortunately, I'm no longer in that wonderful position. But what I am doing now is even just as important. I am helping to provide support virtually to children that are not inside of the school. What are some changes that you've seen with the move to virtual learning? And how has that affected special needs students in particular? Pre-pandemic, I would see all children all the time, depending on their needs. Now, as an educator and as a mom that help with special needs, what I'm seeing is that our special needs community, this has tremendously impacted them. Our special needs community, they really thrive off of having consistency, having a schedule, having the same thing every single day, the same activities. They really need to know what is happening next. And when the pandemic started and our schools all shut down, that kind of catapulted into chaos for our special ed. They needed that consistency, but it was no longer there. So our amazing educators and our amazing teachers kind of tried to figure out where to go from there. This was huge for everybody. Our special ed community members 
now they are slowly coming back into the classroom because it is very much a need for them to have that routine to be able to be in person with educators. My children both are special ed, but they need to be able to have that kind of person-to-person education. Being on an internet-based education is extremely hard. It is extremely hard for any child to sit for several hours a day in front of a TV or a computer. But if you add the sensory components to everything, the already challenging communication component to everything, what you see is that some children in special education having that virtual education is extremely hard for them to get the education that they deserve and that they need at this time. I can only imagine. I know that people from any community have been worrying about how their kids can actually get the attention they deserve and the education they deserve throughout these times. But to take it on a little bit more of a positive note, either as a parent or as an educator, what have you been seeing that's working and how do you make it work? I was a little nervous at first when everything shut down, but it is still working. We are seeing that educators have really stepped up. They were always stepping up in the first place, but now they've even risen to an even higher level. And that the children now, they're having Google Meets when they're at home. They are having sometimes what we call the hybrid method of education, which means they will come into the classroom a few hours a week, and that is extremely helpful. Our educators are able to get paraprofessionals for our special education students. Paraprofessionals kind of give them that one-on-one or one-on-two breakout sessions virtually or inside of the classroom so that they can really hone in on what sort of education they need. So it is working. It is working. Our educators have worked extremely hard in training and these students are learning. They are getting the tools that they needed. They are getting the resources that they need in order to continue their education and to do it successfully. I want to pivot to the needs of special education students and educators. So how can families advocate for their special needs students at this time? I'm always a supporter of getting as much information as possible for your child. Advocating for your child is huge. So one of the things that is always important is for a parent to really communicate as much as possible with their teachers. If they're seeing that there's a problem, if they're seeing that there's an issue, having that open communication between the two will help the success of their child. It's not easy having a special ed kiddos at home learning off of these platforms, but there are things that can help to make it a little bit easier. And that's things like having a schedule at home for their kiddos, having resources, kind of front-loading education. What I mean by that is saying, okay, today is your A group. You're going to be working on this English for 45 minutes. You're going to be working on math for 20 minutes. We're going to take a break after that for 10 minutes, and then we're going to come back and do a Google Meet. Really front-loading the day so that their child can understand what is happening for the day and kind of have that consistency. And then communicating with the teacher to say, okay, so Danny, he's really having a hard time with being able to sit for 20 minutes. Is it okay if my kiddo has a five minute break? And what does that look like to you guys? Do I need to communicate that with you? Or do I just turn off our camera and then go take a break? That sort of thing. I know that I've been in meetings as a mom to set up IEP meetings and change our IEP based off of what the pandemic looks like. 
but I also have already had a couple of parent teacher conferences to make sure we're checking in and that not only is my son's education in check, but also to make sure that the teacher is okay. I think that's important too, to find out if there's something that could be more helpful for the teacher, something that can be changed. So make sure everybody can check in so that you know if you're running behind on things or if there's something that we're missing. All of these things as a mom is important to check in with an educator and to really advocate. If there's a problem, then call a meeting, call a parent-teacher conference, and if worse comes to worse, call an IEP meeting or a 504 plan meeting so that you can adjust whatever that looks like for your child. And since you have both perspectives, how can educators better advocate for their special needs students? So maybe not necessarily one student in particular, but maybe all of their students as a whole or how they get to run their classes or run their digital learning experience. That's a good question. So going into the classroom now, whether inside a classroom in a physical building or virtually, you're seeing that a lot of teachers have had to take things off the walls, have to really minimize what is in their classrooms. And you're seeing a lot of teachers really make extra steps in order to provide safety and still provide a great education for their students. There are a lot of resources now. We're seeing that there's a lot of grants in local areas and you just have to ask somebody. But there's grants out there to help with teachers with things like extra computers if they can't get those resources from the county. But extra computers, extra web cameras, extra manipulatives, things for their classrooms that we didn't know that we needed until a pandemic hit. So there's grants out there that are available for that. And I think a teacher just needs to say, I need help. Going to an administrator and saying, hey, I really need more laminate so that I can send home manipulatives for my kiddos and that they can wipe it off and clean it every day. I need more whiteboards for my students. I need more paper to send home or, hey, I need some sort of camera so that my students can see what I'm teaching every day. But I think that once again, it comes up to that open communication with parents and with administrators to be able to provide that for whatever's needed for those students. So moving along a little bit to some more personal things about you, can you talk to me about how the idea for cooking autism came along? Oh, sure. I volunteered in my son's special education class. He was in kindergarten. First of all, they were having a cooking program and they would do it on every Friday. And what would happen is they were working on language skills and cooking and cleaning and all of these life skills that were super important. Prior to this cooking class, my son, very limited, he's developmentally delayed, he has autism, but his language skills were extremely limited and social skills were even worse. So we were watching him kind of blossom over the year, his first year in kindergarten and going into first grade, we were watching him blossom because he was taking more interest in being able to socialize with the children in his class and in turn socialize with his family. And that didn't always mean speaking with our voices. Sometimes that also meant using pictures and his hands to communicate. So I happened to volunteer in his cooking class one day and it was probably a little over halfway through the school year. And I overheard his speech pathologist talking to his special education teacher saying, okay, so who's next on the list for going grocery shopping next week for our cooking class. I think that we're running close 
to being out of money. So I don't mind getting into my own pocket and buying the strawberries and cream for next week. Because I'm nosy. I listened in and I couldn't believe it. I was mortified that these teachers were spending money out of their own pocket to be able to help provide these amazing programs for this class. And it's amazing what teachers do. It is amazing the hearts that they have is always, always, always first to take care of their students. And that is why educators will always be superheroes in my mind. So I overheard one teacher talking to the other and I went home that day and I just cried to my husband and I said, this is unbelievably sad that they're having to take money out of their own pockets and I get it, you know, there just isn't enough money for education as a whole. I totally get it, but that's terrible. So fast forward a few months from there, we entered into winning a car from a local car dealership. Instead of taking the car, we asked the owner if he would instead give a donation to our son's cooking program because we saw the impact that it was having on his lives. We saw his communication skills growing. We saw his socialization skills growing. And then in turn, everything else was growing. What happened after that is some of the media picked it up and a lot of parents in the area with special needs kiddos reached out to us and said, hey, how do we get this program? How can our educators and our children's teachers have this program? So after a few months of really kind of thinking about it and talking about it, Tim Pohanka from the car dealership approached us and he said, okay, you guys might want to think about helping because you're not the only parents in the area that need this program. And there are other teachers that are asking about it as well. So we started a nonprofit, my husband and I, and then four amazing educators, special educators, we all worked together. We started this nonprofit to be able to help provide these life skills programs to other teachers so that they can give it to their students, which in turn helps everybody. Everybody wins, community grows, and our children grow, and the teachers aren't taking money out of their own pockets, and it gives everybody the opportunity to work together because it takes a village to really help our children grow. So that's how Cooking Autism got started, and now in the third year of Cooking Autism, and we are supporting 436 amazing children for an entire school year, and it all started because some brilliant, amazing educators started a cooking program or a life skills program many years ago, and it impacted our family in such a huge, positive way. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So cool. I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to do that, not just for your son, but for so many other families who have no doubt benefited from the work that you've done. So that's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to School Me. And a quick thank you to all of the NEA members listening. If you're not an NEA member yet, visit nea.org slash join to learn more about member benefits. As we move through the pandemic and an uncertain amount of time doing virtual learning, What are some of the most creative solutions you've seen, either educators in your school or where your sons go? What are some of the best things you've seen done by educators? One of the things that our educators are really working very well with is they have a weekly town hall meeting. Our administrator gets on, he asks everybody to submit questions and parents can ask questions and he gets on and he tells the town hall the answers to all the questions. It takes maybe an hour, but it's fantastic. The other things that are really, really working is we're seeing that the grade levels are doing what's called a learning board. They're kind of getting together and rallying together to make all of the grade levels almost the exact same. So all of third grade will be learning at this time, this thing, and at 
the next step will be this thing. So everything is on the same page so that it's easier for educators to teach all on the same level and that there's a sense of consistency. And I think that's so important, especially in this time where everything is a little haywire. Our administrators and our teachers have a YouTube channel that they do morning meetings. So what normally morning meeting would look like in the school is, you know, you get on for announcements and you talk about what's happening in the school. Well, they're doing that now on YouTube and the students can get on and they have videos. It is another great way for our students to be engaged and involved. It kind of keeps them coming back because it is hard to sit in front of a computer screen and learn every day. Our administrators really helped us with a lot of personal development classes so that we were able and more equipped to be able to provide a good education and understanding for all of our students. So I would definitely say just getting even something as easy as a YouTube channel, really getting the students engaged. I think that is super important and it's been very, very successful for all of our students. What good do you think is coming from this experience? Hopefully it's not all gloom and doom and it's not all challenges and obstacles. There has to be, I think, something good coming out of everything and what you've seen over the past few months. What are the things that you think we should take into the future from this experience? First, I've seen amazing children do things that we never knew they could do. Who would have thought we'd ever be able to get a kindergartner that has never worked on letters before, who would have thought we would ever be able to get them to log into their computers in the morning and sign in and follow the instructions on how to do a Google Meet or follow the instructions on how to type their name into the chat box? Who would have thought that we could have done that? Not me. I did not have any idea. So that is one of the best things that we brought out of this is that children are resilient and we've got to remember that that they are amazing and their brains are ready to receive so much learning and so much information that sometimes we forget that they are amazing sponges ready for information so that is one of the things and another thing i think is that we're seeing the importance of education as a whole it's not easy it's not easy working virtually at home with children at home but parents are kind of seeing into the classroom of, oh, this is what it looks like for educators. And I think that that's something that we've kind of, it's not been hidden, but it's not something that we've always had readily available for parents to see is that this is what education looks like. This is what 20 minutes of language skills looks like. This is what 20 minutes of science looks like. This is why your children need a few breaks a day because they need to keep their brains moving. But I think it's super important and really good that parents are really seeing how important education is and why teachers do what they do. And we're really seeing teachers and parents really coming to the plate together in order to educate their children. And that was something that I think that we sometimes maybe over the last 20, 30 years have really forgotten that it does take a whole village in order to educate one child. It just does. So that means parents are involved, grandparents are involved, teachers are involved, administration's involved. I think we're seeing a lot of people really come together. So there's a lot of bad that has come with this pandemic, but you've got to look at the silver lining and see, wow, we have grown so much. And you know, after this pandemic is over, and it will be over, but after this pandemic is over, we're going to see that we've grown so much and 10, 20, 30 years from now, how much we have learned just from the last year and this current year. We have learned a lot and we will continue to do so. 
we will have better resources in order to give all of our students, all of them, the education that they need and deserve. I think that's great and good for you for feeling so positive about this. You know, it it's even nice for me to hear that the pandemic will be over someday. But I think at NEA, we really want to support the idea that teachers do a lot of work and they do a lot of hard work. Educators do a lot of hard work as well. It's labor of love, but it's work. And it would be a lot of work to get a parent to come into your classroom every week. And maybe it would be kind of strange if they were there every single day watching what was going on. But now it's just a natural part of the day. And I think that that could bring to light a lot of the issues that we talk about in terms of being paid fairly, being treated fairly, respect, and all those things. I think when people see the place of education in their lives and in their children's lives, that'll maybe help us get to a better place. I agree. I agree. What are your hopes for the future of special education? So even thinking beyond the pandemic and beyond 2020, your hopes and dreams, what do you think we really need to change in this country about the way we treat students with special needs? Not to get too political, but I believe that the IDEA, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, was a fantastic start to something. It just hasn't been fully funded. So my big dream is that one day we will have more funding for our special education students. We haven't even hit the tip of the iceberg in what it takes to really help, fairly help our special education kiddos. I think that our community members with special needs are kind of swept under the rug. We're learning more about them before, but it's uncomfortable to talk about. It's uncomfortable to hear about children and young adults and even adults really not thriving. It's uncomfortable to hear that. It's uncomfortable to hear that special ed and special needs kiddos are not getting the fair end of the deal. And it stinks and it's awful. So my heart one day is to really see that teachers have the resources that they need and that our schools have the funding that they need in order to provide those resources so that every student has what they need in the classroom to be able to thrive and to be able to have the very best education possible because it was promised to us. And it's only fair that our special education students get that same level of commitment and education that was promised to them in the IDEA. Awesome. What advice would you give your younger self or yourself when you were just entering the world of education? Oh my goodness. I would say that it's going to be okay. I, I really felt like there was a lot of stress when I first entered into education because I always felt that I wasn't good enough, that I needed to learn more in order to be able to provide these opportunities and the education for our students. And I, I still feel that way, but I give myself a lot more grace now than I did back when I first started in education. And another good thing is to find your village, even inside of the school, somebody that you can bounce ideas off of and somebody that you can really rally with and that you can have that communication with so that you can gather ideas and you can say, oh, well, that was a really good idea. Oh, hey, that didn't work for me. But finding a few in the school that really want to work with you and continue to help lift you up, even inside of that school, I think that's super important. Great. Well, thank you for coming and joining me, April. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to come and speak with you. Thanks for listening. 
Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of School Me. And if you find this podcast helpful, be sure to rate and review the show. It helps more people find us and the advice they need to survive their first few years in education. For even more tips and resources, you can visit us at neatoday.org slash school dash me.